Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to apologize. Uh, the beginning of this episode, uh, we had a little bit of audio problems, and uh, most specifically with my microphone, I had to use a slightly different setup uh, through the first crime, and uh, it doesn't sound quite as good, so I apologize for that, but uh, towards the end, we were able to get it all worked out, and everything's great. Um, but yeah, enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that just changed recording schedules from Thursday to Sunday for, I don't know, reasons. Um, for really, absolutely no reason. Yeah, reasons. I don't know, something. <laughs> <laughs> I am Detective Mark Smarks, and I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, Fighting District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing swell, doing swell, having a little bit of the bubbly. A little so, bit of the bubbly. I want to order it, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently they've got like more than 10,000 already. It crashed the server the first night. Crashed the server. <laughs> it's crazy. Also, making his, I don't know, I guess, uh, 78th appearance, something like that. <laughs> Host of Real Talk Radio, Justin LeBlanc. What's up, brother? Hello, hello, hello. 78th is a bit over exaggeration, but it's been uh, certainly quite a few times, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I lost count. Hey, one, or, two, three, 78, something like that. There we go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost there, almost there. It's a remix version of counting. It's fine. I'll accept. <laughs> kind of feels I went like, to Nebraska, like a Nebraska education, as <laughs> to say. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, just uh, for anyone who's new on this uh, podcast, we uh, go over the air quotes crimes in professional wrestling, and we try to keep it a little positive. We don't like to focus too much on the negative. Otherwise, every podcast would be about Bobby Lashley and Rusev right now, and um, and and we don't want to do that. So um, most of these uh, crimes will actually be the crime of doing something right, um, or at least something that we enjoy. Um, I think I started last week, so um, if DFA wants to go first, we will go ahead and get started with crime number one. I don't want to. I don't really want to steal. Um, or uh, this is the first time Justin's done a a uh, war, uh, wrestle crimes a WBU with nope. us. I don't believe that's true. Technically, I think I I've been. WBU? I think he did one a couple weeks ago, uh, but oh, it was right. kind of short notice, so he wasn't 100% familiar with the concept. So Okay. I just wanted to make sure, because otherwise I'd be stealing his thunder, because there's a chance that I could be going after a crime he wanted to go after. Um... Crime number one. I am still gonna. Well, I, I'm. I'm actually gonna go negative to start off, but it's in a really cool way. 
Um, and that is to go after AEW. Yes, that's right. I have a negative one for AEW. Hey. For, yeah, I know. It's tough to do. For being unprepared for their amount of following they would have for a little bit of the bubbly. A little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> because, quite frankly, um, they should have known their product is over enough that when it went on sale, people were going to go buy it. Um, that's that's not a horrible crime. That's awesome that they've got that level of following this quickly. But come on, man. How are you going to let your website crash? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, you know, I, in conjunction with that, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, the pissant uh, t-shirt company uh, <laughs> that, that they... Um, uh, used for their uh, merchandise also apparently crashed uh, during Black Friday weekend uh, due to demand and um, has since uh, they posted a thing saying that they're uh, going to take some downtime so that they can complete all the orders hopefully before the postal service cut off uh, for Christmas and that really doesn't uh, uh, give you a lot of confidence that you're going to get that Young Bucks t-shirt uh, in time for Christmas is ordered, right? Well, Hopefully I mean, in time. Y- Young Bucks t-shirt that I ordered? Uh, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there to the potential listener who might have uh, ordered a Young Bucks t-shirt for somebody. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, just, either just... brand, my t-shirt's a KO t-shirt. Straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that'd be the way to go. The Omega shirts are pretty phenomenal. The uh, the Moxley shirts are great. The Joey Janela shirts are great. Um, yeah. So, but just the, just the fact that they post this this notice saying that we're gonna we're gonna take the site down for a while uh, and focus on and you know they use the just so that you know we're just a small company we don't have thousands of employees. But I said you are the Why official not? merchandise supplier for a major wrestling promotion in America. You you need to get more employees. Uh, that's just and equipment. Yeah, and equipment and all the setup. But the other thing is, some of their teas and this this I absolutely love. One of the things we talked about in the past. Um, now again, I realize the crime is unpreparedness, but um, I love that their teas don't have to be obviously pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I love that you can carry those in a. You know, Young Bucks as a, as a name you can wear in public and, and you don't have to worry about people being like, oh, that weirdo's wearing a John Cena shirt, you know. Um, just a, a shirt that said awesome for The Miz would be great, but no, it has to say The Miz on it. Um, it just kind of Now, I'm going to interject right now because I am right now currently wearing a Finn Balor t-shirt and <laughs> I will point out that on the front of it, it uh, just simply has a, a the B, Balor B on it and nothing else and i don't see anywhere from the front that it even says wwe or anything like that so some of your designs on the back it does but i'm almost always wearing a jacket so okay so at least from the front the shirts aren't too bad sometimes sometimes yes i will agree with that anyway so is that you technically saying that you're ashamed to be a wrestling fan so you're kind of happy it doesn't show anything in the front no, it's it's not that I was. It it really just comes down to like. You're ashamed. I, no, I'm I'm fine with like I'll wear my uh my shirt for my favorite uh pro football team on it, but I don't like it having the NFL logo. You know what I mean? Like 
like here's the deal is i i'm proud to be a fan of a wrestler not a fan of a specific promotion and uh and i think that's kind of what it comes down to you know the wwe ones so often and i get what what da fame's kind of getting at here the wwe ones so often really like go hardcore on we have to show you that we are uh the brand wwe not just hey let's uh you know what I mean? I guess. And that's why the AEW shirts work so well because they... My they, big thing is a lot of that stuff should be able to stand alone. And it does. So much stuff stands alone. And and so it makes it really cool. Like, I, I've actually had customers um, or clients come into the uh, DA's office for a plea bargain. <laughs> um, anyway, I've had people that I've met that were wearing a shirt and... If I could just see, like, your Balor shirt, just see the Balor B in the front, I was like, oh, hey, you know, and, and I would, I'd be able to talk to them about it. But they, it also allows them that discretion, the overall customer base, the discretion to wear that in public and just enjoy the fact that there's this really great line, you know, whether it's awesome or um, rated R superstar or you know all of the different things um, that that a person can wear, especially those catchphrases that are so wonderful. Um, you know the KO well, show, and, just KO. And so, some of it might simply come down to I uh, I I preferred like the people who I okay I'm gonna go back. I prefer the people I meet uh, who recognize me as a wrestling fan to be recognizing me as a current wrestling fan of a, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want someone walking down the street, seeing me and going like, Oh, Hey, John Cena, man. I like, uh, I like John Cena (laughs) just because he sees WWE on it, you know? Um, or, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it when I uh, when they did that Hell in a Cell match uh, back in uh, 2001. That's exactly why I don't like wearing them when I'm actually going to a wrestling show, though. Because I know that there's so many wrestling fans there, obviously. And I kind of I just want to go with my Okay. Because wrestling fans are very very unique to say the least some of them are you know so some wrestling fans i'm embarrassed by so therefore i won't wear the wrestling shirt so those embarrassing wrestling fans don't notice me i know very evil no that's legit though however i think we had a server issue <laughs> yeah i think we had a server issue because i i couldn't hardly hear half of what you did. yeah oh and both of you did yes yep. yeah skype hates you okay so long story short Basically, I would not wear a wrestling shirt. I'm embarrassed to wear a wrestling shirt at the actual wrestling show itself because I am embarrassed by some of the wrestling fans that are there. And as you alluded to, Officer Smarks, I don't want to get into that conversation of, oh, hey, you like this guy, so do I. Like, no, I'm there to watch a show. I'm with hopefully some friends. I don't think I'd go to a wrestling show alone. So I'm with some friends and I'm enjoying the show and I will purposely not wear a wrestling Yeah, I also, Deeply, and I mean deeply disdain the pay-per-view shirts, the WrestleMania shirts, um, the Survivor Series thus and such year shirts. I don't know why. I just, I, I, I don't feel like that's an enjoyable shirt to, to have. 
Agreed. Lose, so it's different. At that pay-per-view, it makes sense you're going to get it. It's to yep. commemorate you going to that show. Yep. But, it, I mean, there's really no definition of of that pay-per-view, you know, other than maybe, oh, so you were at the really crappy one where Bray Wyatt lost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that. That's the equivalent of what I can what I can enjoy out of those. But either way, the the crime we're talking about is unpreparedness, and so um, pretty cool segue into an overall conversation. Mm. Yes, yes, nope. very valid. Yes, yes, and so. fun fact: little bit of the bubbly. If you want want two bottles, ladies and gentlemen, it only cost you uh, a little bit over forty six dollars. Yeah, you bought quite some. Reasonable. Uh, no, I did not buy any. I'm, I'm Canadian, so that $46 is probably going to be like 58 $2 million. <laughs> not no, quite a, that high. No, no, that's that's a bit too much there. A bit over-exaggeration <laughs> again with the 75 episodes and now the $2 million. Uh, I don't know how to count. Issue. Nope, that's, that's, that's what it boils <laughs> down to. But a little bit, honestly, guys, though, I get it. Why not? You, I mean, people are probably buying it just to kind of keep it and to say that they have it. I imagine it's going to taste like how champagne tastes, which is garbage in my opinion. It's only good to pop at a wedding. I don't know. I'm clearly not a champagne fan. No, I mean, you're right there. The simple fact is people are buying it as a collector's issue, not a not a uh, drink. Right, uh, yeah. The vast majority of them are probably never going to be opened um, and probably going to be taken to like signings and stuff like that just to get Chris Jericho's signature on it. I'd be so scared I'd break it if I brought that with me and I'm waiting in line. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be a risk there. But I mean, that's the that's just what I, I see most of people buying it for. I mean, there's going to be the, the odd person who's like, hey, I'm going to buy it so that I can, you know, drink it and pop it at my wedding or whatever. Uh, That'd be cool. Yeah. Now, in, in a related to the little bit of the bubbly thing, have you seen the meme going around on the Internet where people have taken the uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, Chris Jericho uh, life-size cutout and started Photoshopping it into all sorts of other places? Yeah, I'm looking into a few ways to do that myself, and hopefully Jericho will post them. Yeah, it's, it's pretty entertaining, you know. He's uh, at the foot of the Eiffel Tower or standing on top of Mount Rushmore. I mean, just all over the place. It's quite hilarious. Genius once again. Everything Jericho seems to be doing in AEW, though, becomes a meme. A little bit of the Everything Jericho does is genius. If you've listened to his podcast, I mean, he managed to get mainstream coverage, absolute mainstream coverage, by interviewing Donald Trump Jr. on his on his podcast. Whether you like the idea that he did that or not doesn't matter. He got total mainstream coverage from interviewing Donald Trump Jr. I'm still shocked that Donald Trump Jr. agreed to that. <laughs> well, I mean, Trump's been in pro wrestling, so... Uh, it's uh, but it's the wrong wrestling federation. <laughs> yeah. But also Chris Jericho, who's kind of transcended what, what individual uh, group he has to be in. Well, yeah. and in the, in the grand scheme of things, to go back to kind of what you said... Chris Jericho has made a entire career out of turning pretty much everything into meme-worthy, you know? Um, the only uh, reason more stuff like it didn't come up as meme-worthy 
during his WWE run was uh, probably Vincent McMahon, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the control uh, power that Vince McMahon has in WWE probably led to a lot of things that Jericho pitched being turned down. I mean, he was one of the few people that uh, WWE would allow an open mic occasionally, but they also still controlled what he did a lot. And uh, like, I just saw, saw an article or a web web video or something like that about uh, the Festival of Friendship and how that almost did not happen because Vince McMahon turned him down uh, and wanted it to just be a standard heel turn uh, without all of that stuff. And Chris Jericho had to fight and and work hard to get the Festival of Friendship to happen, which turned out to be one of the best things to happen between mm. that year, you know? So Well, remember, he tried to do the cruise with WWE, and the cruise was a resounding success. Yep. Second one takes off next month sometime. Bash at the beach. And WWE even tried to stop that from happening. Like, oh, Vince is such a... Oh, such a party pooper, man. We own the rights to that. Actually, no. And and they're going to argue that even though they let the trademark lapse, that, uh, you know, they they still should have had first go at it, you know, or something like that. It's going to go to court. It's going to go back and forth. Uh, I don't see any reason. Uh, and I'm not the lawyer here, but as far as I can see, I don't see any reason AEW is not going to get the rights to that eventually. I think WWE is really more playing a game right now of if we can sue them, maybe we can stop them from using it this time because they'll still be in court. And the court will say, don't use it until everything's figured out. But I mean, the simple fact is all they're going to do is change bash on the boat. I mean, let's be honest about it. Well, I mean, the simple fact is the closest thing that WWE can argue is that they do own a trademark for The Bash. That's it. The Bash. And uh, they'll try to argue that that was all they need to effectively also have trademarked for Bash at the Beach. But I don't think it's going to happen. Anyways, back to your crime of not being prepared. I agree they should have been more prepared uh with better servers and all that however i will give them at least a little bit of uh slack because uh the company that they partnered with for the wine um and who knows maybe they approached other companies and were turned down the one that they ended up partnering with is a pretty small company and maybe that company in and of itself just wasn't prepared uh, and it was a little bit out of AEW's hands maybe. Mm -hmm. So probably going to end up opening up a plea bargain with them if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal is we just need more information on it. I think charges can be filed. Yeah. We'll probably go that route then. Agreed. If anyone in the jury knows any more information uh, on this uh, or has an opinion one way or another, uh, shoot us a tweet at RonOrderWBU or at DA Vincent K. Fabe. Let us know. And since it was my crime, just tweet me. It's all right. Gives me some <laughs> Lexi Kaufman. So hot. Want to touch the hiney. <laughs> and on that note, um, <laughs> we will move on. Uh, to crime number two. 
Crime number two. So, crime number two is going to be one that I feel the WWE has... It's not even official yet, and it might not even be, but Kane, the fact that Kane had to mention to TMZ that he should be in the Hall of Fame and kind of made it as a joke, and now everybody is talking about it, but Kane being in the Hall of Fame, it's not a crime on Kane's part, but it's a crime on WWE for not having have done this already. Like... 24 years the man has been in the business since 1995 and he's wrestled uh, full-time maybe last time he's wrestled full-time is let's say five years ago it is a crime it is a travesty that you have not given the man his due after putting in so many years into the company and still not even have been confirmed but has been put out there by Mr. Glenn Jacobs himself, the mayor of Knoxville, that he should be WWE inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame for 2020. I see the vision, folks. And that, good sir, WWE, you have committed, I don't know the word, the legal term, but you've committed a very, very injustice. And that's now. Now, in fairness, he was still technically an active wrestler until uh, just over a year ago, I think, um, right before the actual election. He was still technically active. So, no, we're uh, not counting Crown Jewel. We're not counting Crown Jewel when he did that little match. We're not <laughs> counting the once or twice that he played throughout that year on SmackDown or something. No, uh, no, I, I agree. My point is he was still like uh, on WWE.com listed on the active roster, not as an alumni until recently um and i i'm i'm playing semantics here but i can already see that this would be wwe's argument that uh he hadn't retired from wrestling until too late to be in last year's hall of fame so i wouldn't be surprised if they put him in this year's hall of fame you know here's my thing his air quotes brother retired several years ago has mostly one-offs and he isn't a Hall of Famer yet. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the Phenom outranks the Big Red Machine in terms of induction rate. So, um, little brother, sorry, you can wait for the Phenom. Uh, I will also agree with that. However, mm. um, also in the same argument is that Undertaker still hasn't officially retired. Yeah. And, and Vince, I feel, will never retire the Undertaker because Vince will use him until until his dying day i, swear I don't know i don't know that that stone cold podcast that he did really came across like i'm ready to get i, I just i'm so done did, did you it? watch i haven't seen it podcast? yet no. oh best line best line from the promos the actual podcast is a lot better one but the best line from the promos i seriously thought i was going to be effing eggman i thought i was going to be eggman and I was like, what? This is legit. This is Mark Calloway doing an interview, not uh, The Undertaker. And it was really good. Really good. Because, you know, okay. dude doesn't break kayfabe. Ever. Right. <laughs> Which is why I'm shocked that Vince allowed it to happen. 
Um, you know, he wasn't in Undertaker gear. He completely broke kayfabe. And they had a pretty lengthy conversation. It was about like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty long podcast as a whole. For some reason, the WWE Network wasn't working properly. It kept on freezing. So uh, I'm definitely going to have to watch it, though. It's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, just uh, Kane last wrestled on Not Talking Crown Jewel, uh, but he did uh, wrestled for the SmackDown Tag Championships at Extreme Rules 2018. Uh, he uh, had wrestled the week before on SmackDown, and then uh, a, a week before that on SmackDown, because oh. uh, he was part of Team Hell No again, you know? And oh. then it was a few few months in between there, but that's I think that would be WWE's argument is that I mean literally he hasn't even been retired for a year, and that's not even counting his comeback and winning the twenty four seven championship because that was Glenn Jacobs who won that, not King. Oh oh, you're Mr. Semantics today, huh? Mr. Can't Count slash Mr. Semantics is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah you got to know how to do something right. <laughs> this is true. Sometimes. I guess. I don't know. Bad with uh, numbers, but great with words. Mr. Officer Smarks. But that would be my... Justin, I feel like you're finally starting to meet Officer Smarks. <laughs> I really do. Uh, this has been this way for years. <laughs> I mean, years. Yeah. Yeah, my famous catchway phrase is, well, to play devil's advocate. You've sure literally never said that catchphrase ever in your life. I say it a lot. My wife hates it. She really does. <laughs> Because she'll go up on some rant about how, you know, we should cut rapist wieners off or whatever. And I'll be like, well, to play devil's advocate, we really can't do that because it, you know, is cruel and unusual punishment. She's and like, where do we draw the line? If we do it to rapists, what else should we do it to? Why do the rapists only get their penis caught? You know, it'd be a whole thing. It'd be a whole thing. We're not going to get into that, though. This is about wrestling and not rape. Yes. And we we would like to keep our rape out of wrestling. Yes. Unless so much terms to go when you're politics there, not rape. <laughs> Anyways, no, um, I, you know, I was just pointing it out from a standpoint of that would be at least the defense argument uh, from WWE is that, hey, you know, he's been retired for less than a year. We haven't even had a WrestleMania since he's been retired. So, um, you know, I, I think that was more of a lobbying joke type thing. Yeah. Yeah, However, but I sent some seriousness into it, too. Like, come on. Dude's a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's gonna happen. There's that would be the injustice is if it never happened. No, you know what would be the injustice if they both don't get inducted, but then they both get inducted as the brother of destruction. That would be garbage. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I feel like Vince would do because Vince does really crappy storylines, and he'd be so, like, you know what? No, you both are too big. Or no, he definitely have. Undertaker is like the main Hall of Fame guy for sure. Yeah. But no. like, I could see him doing, you know what, both of you, brother of destruction. Yeah. yeah. It, in fairness, I, I feel like they will both get in once they're retired. But I also feel like, and not to be too morbid, but whenever the first one of them kicks the bu bucket, there will be a posthumous Brothers of Destruction induction as well, so that they will also be two-time Hall of Famers. So, side note, what did That's Booker do to be a two-time Hall of Famer? Um, he, uh, the Spinner-Rooney. The Spinner-Rooney's <laughs> in the Hall of Fame? No, he's he's in it as himself and then as Harlem Heat. Oh. So, 
So the the real thing is how, uh, and don't get me wrong, I love Harlem Heat, and they were very entertaining, especially when I was watching er, relatively early WCW before uh, the NWO and everything. They were one of the better things going on in there. But but in reality, like Stevie Ray never wrestled in WWE or WWF for that matter. and so for for them to put uh, Harlem Heat into the WWE Hall of Fame is a little bit of a stretch in my book. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just another uh, part of semantics, but because it's the WWE Hall of Fame and not like an independent pro wrestling Hall of Fame, that's part of where, where it kind of comes to me. But yeah, that's how, that's how Booker T's in there twice. Uh, once for uh, himself and once for so Harlem Heat. So Booker T is the second ever two-time Hall of Fame inductee behind Ric Flair. I believe so, yeah. Well, and Shawn Michaels. I see. Well, yeah, because yeah, Shawn Michaels in himself and in as part of DX. Did he get, did that happen before Booker? Well, it happened uh, on the same night, technically. Yeah, same night. They were both the same night, DX and Harlem Heat on the same night. So technically, Booker happened first, if we want to play semantics, right, Officer Smarks? I mean, I, I'd have to check the exact timeline of it, but if I oh, remember no, sure. correctly, I think Harlem Heat went first and DX sure. went later. For sure, so. DX was last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I do have so, a... so so DFA was right. Uh, Booker T was the second two-time Hall of Famer yeah. uh, for a short period of time before then there was the third. Like, I don't I, I don't know why that bothers me, but that bothers me like legit bothers me uh, it's the same night though yeah. i mean really I mean, you're, you're gonna you're gonna bitch and moan over an hour no i'm gonna bitch and moan over the fact that there are so many other people you could have be the second two time i mean yeah they got it right with the first one they absolutely got it right with it being uh, uh what's his name uh oh yeah rick flair but you're <laughs> gonna put booker on the same Ooh. level as rick flair yeah. I mean, in fairness, they're probably eventually going to kind of just hit everyone who is in some sort of stable uh, to be in it. That, you know, eventually Sting will be in as, as part of NWO Wolfpack. Uh, and then they'll induct the Four Horsemen again, uh, including all of them. So so Sting will be a three-timer in it. For... So you're telling me Triple H is going to be inducted 17 times? M- most likely, yes. Yes. Exactly. Hunter Hearst Hemsley, um, Triple the, H, her rising. Yeah, they'll probably hit him for terror rising. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, Jean Paul Levesque. Uh, and, and then, then we, get, then, then we gotta go with DX. We gotta go with yeah. Evolution. Evolution. Yeah, Evolution. Wasn't he part of the corporation at one point? We might have been. I don't know. I don't think he was. But you know, that's another one for Undertaker. Yeah, corporate ministry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they should they should just put in the brood. Is the brood in already? I think the brood is in already. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think they are because Edge and Christian aren't listed as two-time Hall of Famer. Snap! So, they should definitely do the brood then. Yeah. So they yeah. they should go in. Got and and then and then we just you know know that the brood is in there, which. Which, Which is, is really the only way you put Gangrel in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Gangrel can start advertising all its independent booking dates. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer Gangrel. Hey, you'd make more money. And then, and then, I mean, since they're just uh, doing, you know, WCW acts, they could uh, put the West Texas Rednecks in there. 
So Kurt Henning could posthumously be a two-time Hall of Famer. <laughs> Kendall Windham. <laughs> Good word. I'm actually uh, now really excited to see what the inductee list is going to be for this year's Hall of Fame. You know, I think I think WWE is going to pull out all the stops because you know that's going to be you know uh, a little bit early, but still a, around the one-year uh, AEW anniversary sort of a thing. And they're going to try to do everything they can to get the focus back on them so it's not... And AEW is, admittedly, has said they're not planning on doing anything that weekend. And so they're staying clear of WrestleMania weekend and all of that. But I just I just feel like WWE is going to be like, look at us, look at us. We're putting The Rock in and Batista and um, who else can we induct? I don't know. I'm going to put Hogan in again. Um, Mr. America. Well, NW is NWO already in? No, I don't believe so. No, they're not. So NWO has eventually got to go in at some point. The problem is, I feel like they've already been in because we've always seen Nash and Hall and Shawn Michaels there. So we've always seen the click. Oh, pardon the pun. We've always seen the whole crew together. Um, in that regard. So Nash will be a second time once NWO goes in. So will Scott. Nash so will is Hogan. No? I don't think Nash is in yet. I feel like Nash is in. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm, not. I feel like he never did a speech. I, I think he was part of uh, Scott Hall's induction, but I don't think yeah. Nash is in. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought Scott Hall was in, but not Nash. But we'll, we'll go and find the no, it says literally up. WWE Hall of Famer Kevin Nash. Okay, maybe. Yeah, no, he was in. Just as himself, or was it as a part of like NWO? At no, which point? No, wouldn't... just as himself. No, but NWO. Just... There was no NWO for sure, though. Okay. Kevin Nash was in it. Ah, it's weird. I feel like. Okay, I should probably stop looking at Google Images because it's giving me a whole bunch of different things. But WWE Hall of Fame gets a dose of diesel power as Kevin Nash is inducted into the illustrious ranks for the final induction of the 2015 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Shawn Michaels takes the stage to introduce Big Sexy Kevin Nash. So it was inducted in 2015. Ooh, ooh, Glenn Jacobs could be in three times because he could be in for fake diesel. Oh, he was fake diesel? Yeah, he was. Hey, let, oh, I mean, let's be honest about this. He could also be Dr. Isaac Yankum. Yeah, I just mean. keep throwing him in. And 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 Britt Baker should like introduce introduce him because she's already been on WWE television like twice. So why not put her as a person to induct Isaac Yankum into the Hall of Fame? Genius <laughs> writing right there, ladies and gentlemen. Doctor Britt Baker putting in Doctor Isaac Yankum. You can't write yeah. this stuff up, folks. You just can't. Yeah, sure can't. <laughs> no, seriously, please. You can't. Yeah, no, you please. can't write it. I'm, I no. am issuing an injunction to stop you from <laughs> writing it. We have trademarked this because it's that bad. So, that's... Uh, so, I guess you really... Uh, I think devil's advocate there. If he doesn't go in in the next three years. Hmm, yeah. Three years? He golly. Wow. She ah. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, uh, if they didn't put Kane in this next year. I mean, he's effectively retired now that he's mayor of a county. But uh, he won the 24-hour championship when he was mayor of a county. So yeah, and then lost later that day. So hey, he was uh, still a champion. I just, I don't count it. Tell I mean, that to our truth, damn it! How dare you? 
I will tell our truth whatever I want. Our truth, please don't kill. Oh, you're done. That's it. Um, so that's pretty much how the cookie crumbles on that one. I'm curious to hear about your crime of the evening, Mr. Smarks. Oh, my crime for crime number three is. Crime number three. Also charging WWE. Wow, this is going all in on them today, I guess. Uh, but they are charged with putting together two solid weeks of good wrestling TV as long as you skipped Raw. Amen. Oh my goodness. I mean, because like the go home NXT last week uh, was really, really good. Going home for, for uh, TakeOver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the go home SmackDown was great. TakeOver and uh, Survivor Series were both good, right? Um, they had their issues, but we both enjoyed both of them, right? NXT after uh, TakeOver was really Amazing. good. Amazing. Uh, SmackDown, SmackDown was watchable. Um, was it? But but well, I mean I mean Ron, it was just a whole lot of Daniel Bryan and Muscle Man. I don't know. You go in comparison to uh, to what we got. I don't know. Four days earlier, I'm gonna say it was watchable. I didn't say it was great, but watchable. It was solid. You know. I mean, there was. It was at least the the uh, Bray Wyatt well, I mean, slash Fiend new belt thing. I I wish they would have just introduced that belt instead of the blue belt. Yeah, so what's the point of the blue one? Now it just doesn't make any sense. Or I guess once the Fiend, if ever he loses it, the blue belt will be the new belt. Uh, but yeah, they should have just announced the Fiend belt to begin with and not have given the blue belt any knowledge yet. Uh, Acknowledge me. In related to uh, D.A. Fabe's crime, uh, I can tell you that uh, shop.wwe.com is definitely prepared for the demand for the $6,500 that people would have to pay to get their replica of that belt. $6,500. The the Fiend one. The the skin one. The replica they have there. That is $6,500. Made with Um, real human skin, folks. Apparently. I don't know. (laughs) Unicorn hair. Fairy snot. I don't know. Fairy snot. (laughs) Who does the WWE think is going to buy this belt? Like, are you kidding me? I don't know. I can guarantee you they're not going to get enough demand to crash a server with that price. That's for certain. Sure. That's ridiculous. Holy cow. It's got to be real leather, though. So it is real skin of some type. Uh, oh, one. Well, I mean, it was it was handcrafted. The the original, not the replica, but the original was handcrafted by uh, the Tom Savini uh, horror studio, the same people who made Bray Wyatt's mask for the Fiend. They um, also make the masks for Slipknot. Yeah, Slipknot masks, and uh, and of course they're they're well known for their horror movie special effects. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a big deal, but $6,500, you can literally buy a fairly decent car for that much. Yeah. You know, Mm. down. I mean, we're not talking a Ferrari, but like a A 1998 Toyota Camry. Mm -hmm. You could buy four 1998 Toyota Camrys. You realize that's 21 years ago, right? No. No, I don't. <laughs> He's not good that, with numbers, remember? Is that, is that the way time works? 
I'm one of those people when someone says 10 years ago, I still think like 1989. <laughs> and someone says, That's no. Fair. That's no. fair. <laughs> like, what do you mean? 10 years ago? What? No. Hey, smart. I'm You're not. 10 years ago when you were hired on the force and you had your first case with the... What? No, that was like four weeks ago. <laughs> no, but so, so I mean, just like the NXT before uh, TakeOver was just phenomenal. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, and Even then the NXT course, afterwards was amazing. Yeah, the NXT, NXT afterwards. Uh, SmackDown before Survivor Series was great. TakeOver and Survivor Series were both great. The NXT after was good. SmackDown was watchable, but uh, the, the linchpin in all of those is just... That stupid thing called Raw. Yeah. And it just drags everything down. Now, hey, a related we cry. had the Bobby Lashley and Lana uh, storyline continue, and poor Bobby Lashley got hurt. Poor Bobby Lashley. Now, that was a related crime that I was going to bring up later, but I, I'm also charging whoever put that, um, I don't know what it's called, a, a strut or, or um, truss up that uh rusev kicked over onto bobby lashley they they need to be uh charged with with something because that thing wasn't even bolted down or anything right you know i mean what that was a really dangerous trust to even put up there like it wasn't bolted down it really it didn't have a purpose of being there based on no, where it, it was it doesn't at all you know and and that was i mean that was a death trap waiting to happen um, Side note, misdemeanor of, of uh, an accomplice on this, and I don't usually do this to uh, to uh, other podcasters, but I feel like there's a group of podcasters who have transcended this level of podcasting that we're on. And so, Ollie, no, WWE did not do better with the Rusev and Lana story. It's still garbage. Don't change your mind on this, Ollie Davis. That's all I have. Stay firm. Stay strong, Ollie. But yeah, so I mean, I just like all in all, it was a good week, good two weeks for WWE wrestling, as long as you just ignore Raw, which frankly, I'm debating on just doing from now on. Like, I got other things I can do Monday nights. You guys can watch Raw and just fill me in later, right? That would work. No. No? No, it wouldn't. No. No, it wouldn't. Sure? No. I'm pretty I, positive. I, I suppose if, it, I mean, is that the only way you're going to hear about Raw? I mean, I could maybe re-spoilers now. Yep, just, just do what everyone else does. <laughs> no, don't watch it. Just watch the highlights. Honestly, even the highlights are bad. So at least you only spend like 10 minutes watching Raw of its purified greatness within those 10 minutes, which really only two of those 10 minutes are actually good. So you'll be good. I think you'll be good with the highlight video that they put up after Raw is done. I forget what that guy's name is, but he's always on point, but then he gets his videos kicked down afterwards. Definitely do that. Highlight reel it up, because uh, that's the only way Raw is watchable, folks. Yeah, Maybe I, I can watch Simon you Miller's just up those downs and oh, Yeah, <laughs> just up those downs, Simon Miller style. Yep. Maybe I'll just do that. I don't know. Maybe I'll just watch it. Now, in side note, I do want to say to anyone out there who thinks there's even a chance now that Rusev is going to leave WWE and go to AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor or whatever, uh, reportedly... With his biological or with his actual wife signing a multi-million dollar, multi-year deal. deal. Yeah, he's, he's signing. Uh, he hasn't signed yet, but it, he wouldn't have let her, and I say let her, but she wouldn't have signed if there wasn't a really, really 
pretty solid chance they're going to sign again. And and that's a shame because he is better than WWE has let him be. Um, but and, you know, Unless they think that they're going to be able to pull off a Renee Mox sort of thing. Like, oh, Renee and Mox seem to be doing fine with it. Yeah, but I, I do, I seriously feel like, and I know she's doing so great with, with WWE backstage and all that stuff, but I really do feel like when her contract is up, she is leaving too. Um, I think she's signing a Fox contract. Well, maybe a Fox contract or, or going over, because her background before WWE was in sports casting. Uh, oh, just, general sports casting in fact i believe she was a, a canadian sports caster so hmm. but yeah. anyways um so Don't i just feel know. like she's gonna leave she might not go to wrestling she might go back to just regular regular sports casting but i just feel like she's probably gonna leave but I just, I don't think, I think anyone who thinks there's still a chance that Rusev goes someplace else is deluded and just wake up, sheeple. Why don't you I go mean, put a little makeup? Why did you leave those keys they, up on the table? You wanted to. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that <laughs> Really? No, no, I got it. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay surges and everything yeah no we're we're good the other the other and and if if they do play this this way where rusev uh signs a contract under wraps really really well but looks like he's left the company it helps their kayfabe a little bit with this story i mean it's still a garbage story but at least they get some kayfabe there you know and apparently next week's raw is going to be really garbage because according to some user the storyline has been leaked for next week's Raw. And guys, guess what? It gets worse. Wait, let me put on my shocked face. What? Which storyline gets worse? The Seth storyline? No. It's just not well assembled? Because <laughs> that has a long way to go down. Well, I mean, that's going to be bad, too. He's going to apologize to everybody on Raw. Like, what are you going to do? Like, make him heal or make him face? Like, stop with this. Why are you going to apologize for it? So, yeah. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... No, make him heal. Make him face. Just make him heal. Just we need architect Seth back. Yeah, Seth. Seth needs to be healed. We we talked about it on on the FBI show. Uh, they need to just flat out turn him heel. Um, and not not this wishy washy is he or isn't he sort of a thing. Just um, well, and maybe that's why the apology is probably going to be his final thing of. Then he's just going to be like, you know what? No, I will not apologize or whatever. Hopefully they do something good with it. Yeah, maybe. Here's hoping. Uh, back to Renee Young really quickly. Uh, yeah, she's of French-Canadian descent, uh, uh, born in Toronto. Um, and then for, uh, looks like, three years, uh, worked for The Score Television Network. Oh, I thought you were talking about Lana. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, okay. no, Renee Young. <laughs> yeah, uh, Renee Young. Sure. Yep. I knew that through, uh, I think it was Total Divas, actually. And so I just feel like, you know, when she's done with her WWE contract, um, that she'll go do sports casting again someplace. Um, I don't I don't see her joining uh, Moxley in AEW, per se, although right. they'd be stupid to not uh, offer her a deal because she is really good at what she does. But she also, yeah. I mean, she's basically uh, said that she does not like actually being being a commentator on wrestling. Like, right, yeah. Like color commentator play by play. Because there's, there's the oh no's yeah. when he does, when he does uh, a move that he's the, you know, 
procurer of. So it's still it's it pops out a little bit during his matches. But even more than that, like when she had to fill in on SmackDown and got kicked in the face, she was like, "Yeah, I'm never I'm never doing that again." So I think I think now the ba- WWE backstage is more up her alley because it's more of a for lack of a better term, a talk show. I mean, right. yeah, it's commentary on wrestling and so on, but it's really, you know, a talk show. Um, right. Well, and she I could have easily be the host on on one of those talk shows for football or for baseball or anything like that. Or even, you know, like you you'd mentioned Fox. Um, she could she could stay on Fox, but um, but focus a little bit less WWE and more overall. Or she could move to a different like an ESPN and have them start up a, a professional wrestling show that covered them all, you know? Um, which would actually be a huge win for all of the non-WWE wrestling shows. It would be a huge win for fans. Yes. Uh, but anyways, uh, back to my crime, because we keep getting sidetracked. Uh, ooh, look, a squirrel. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, no, I just we had two really good weeks for WWE wrestling and and for non-WWE. I'm not trying to discount AEW. They had some great shows as well. Um, but WWE was able to put together two really good weeks except for these two blemishes called Raw. And um, I really think uh, they can fix those. But my worry is that uh, the fix is going to be something that's not going to be popular with a lot of the the smarks out there and i'm not referring to myself um because frankly I think, you about your wife and kids no I, I i think i'm talking about the smart marks um, oh, okay. Go on. because Sorry. because i think <laughs> in my opinion the fix is uh less paul Heyman. because um, i think most of the horrible just almost unwatchable stuff on wwe raw right now just like reeks to me of Paul Heyman idea and you know maybe in 1996 something like the Lana Rusev storyline would fly but it doesn't fly now well I mean it could fly it's just they're not doing it right like it's just ugh like it's just horrible acting on everything I don't think there's a right way to do cheating spouse Especially when cheating spouse hey, well, is... Well, I mean, the whole Triple H and Tess thing. Triple H and Tess? Triple H test with Stephanie, with the whole yeah. thing. With this what was to get cheating? That was, that was kidnapping, and again, I don't think that flies today either. No, that definitely doesn't fly today. Kidnapping, drugging... Oh. Um, right. Uh, marriage under false pretenses. Um, these, these are all things that are... I mean, I'm, I'm going to go out and say it. Literal crimes. In, in like reality <laughs> right uh, and so so you know back then uh, there was still enough kayfabe in wrestling that you could like I don't know detach yourself a little bit from it but on top like I don't I didn't really enjoy those angles when they were happening because I'm like he I mean that's that's effectively rape you know uh, I don't think I like that so much can we move past that to, I don't know, a uh, guy with a sock on his hand. Can I watch that instead? <laughs> I mean, that still sounds pretty bad. What are you watching, Officer Sparks? <laughs> American Pie 1? from Mr. Like, Socko. I know, I know. Jeez. Fair enough. Get your Jeez. head out of the gutter. Or out of the sock. I don't know. <laughs> the Jesus. only room for one of us. Is... <laughs> 
No, that's a valid point though. Kudos, except for everybody except for Raw. Anyone notice that amazing wrestling match between Tazawa and uh who was it? Mr. Uh Wow. On NXT. It was yeah, Tazawa was... versus Cruiserweight Champ. Leo Rush. I we actually Rush. had a conversation with Officer Smarks after that happened, and he hadn't seen it yet, and I called him like literally right after it got over and I was like this match you gotta see mm-hmm. and Smarks what was your response my, my my only problem with that match is literally we saw two of those people uh, in the three man uh, kickoff show for uh, TakeOver and I'm right. like, like my biggest problem with TakeOver when we talked about it was they, they just threw together this uh, triple threat cruiserweight championship match for no real reason and they didn't give us any reason that either of those people deserved a shot at the championship and then you know four days later they're like hey let's just put two of them together again and I would have don't get me wrong I'm, and I'm not trying to take anything away from either of them because Leo Rush I watched him in Ring of Honor when he came to WWE and NXT and then went to 205 Live I was excited and and he's a phenomenal athlete and Tazawa is phenomenal as well. I don't don't want to take anything away from them, but we basically just saw that match just with another person in it just 4 days ago. That was my issue. But it was a really good match and and that's why I'm still giving NXT uh, a really good rating for for last week because it still was really really good. Um Anywho. I just figured I'd bring that up because that was actually a conversation that happened really, really recently. And I thought to myself, you haven't seen this match yet. Now that you've seen it, does it change it a little bit for you? or? It, it, I, listen, the thing is, I, I never doubted that it was a good match. My, my thought process on it is still that I was a little bored of it just because we'd literally seen it four days ago with just another person added in. That's fair. And so, um, however, like, what I would have loved to have seen is Leo Rush come out and face somebody else deserving. Face Angel Garza or someone else. And then have Tozawa come out and challenge him afterwards. And then we could do the match this week, which in in a way is probably my biggest problem with NXT right now is that uh, they don't do enough teasing of next week's matches the week before and it's actually a wwe problem to be perfectly honest um that they they prefer to announce matches like the day before on twitter you know or a youtube video rather than announcing a match on one nxt to take place the next nxt you know what i mean the beginning of the show when they think they have to hide a storyline that's going to be garbage anyways um, whereas, I mean, AEW, uh, for the most part, at the end of each Dynamite, you have a pretty good idea of at least two or three of the matches for the next week already. You know, at the end of AEW Dynamite this week, we pretty much knew that Moxley was going to be facing somebody next week. And if you followed Twitter, you knew it was probably going to be Joey Janela, and that looks like what it's going to happen, you know? So, um... And, and I don't know, maybe it's just old-fashioned me, but I just really enjoyed when 
we knew at the end of a Nitro what at least a couple, including most likely the main event for the next week would be. And yes, card always subject to change, but it still, it made me a lot more excited to tune in the next week when like at the end of one episode, I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to see how this ends. I want to see what happens next week rather than an episode ends and then you spend five days twiddling around and then you just happen to check your Twitter and, and they have announced that these two people are going to fight for, I don't know, reason. You really love that phrase. Yes, it's it describes a lot of things with WWE so much because that's that's their uh, reasoning behind almost anything. They're like these two people are gonna fight for reasons or cause yeah reasons. Anyways, um, and on that note, I think we will move on to misdemeanors. Misdemeanors and miscellaneous. I will start off uh, my my number one misdemeanor for this week. AJ Styles promo after losing the U.S. title uh, was was gold. Was absolute gold. It's charged with being awesome. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, but um, I think it was Kayla. Kayla Braxton comes up to ask him about you know what his thoughts were on losing the championship, and it's it's like a five minute long promo and. He almost doesn't say a single word in it. He he just looks like he's about to say something and then looks like he's stifling back tears and and disbelief. And then he turns to to Carl Anderson and, and starts to say something and Carl Anderson just shakes his head like I don't know. And then he looks like he's it's it was just absolutely brilliant. I was rolling on the floor when watching that. And it was so awesome. I loved it. He literally looked like he was gonna cry. Yeah, that's my first misdemeanor. I think that, and I would say there was a misdemeanor on it beforehand because I thought the, I thought, I thought we lost a little bit of mustard there at the beginning of uh, on the promo where he's saying, "I'm not going to take on Ricochet because I already beat you," and then he says, "I'm not going to take on Randy Orton because I already beat you," and then he really didn't have anything with McIntyre, and way to like get my hopes up and like I was, I was. You know, three Viagra into excitement for uh, for uh, Drew, and then of course Drew didn't win the match. So okay, and, and um, you really should move on to Blue Chew. It uh, is effective faster. <laughs> you can do it, and um, you can get your prescription. I have never mind. Hashtag <laughs> still not sponsored. I, I'm sure you've heard it all before. Um, <laughs> but no, that 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 promo later. I mean, it just cracked me up, and I I give AJ credit all the credit in the world for his his performance of it because like just this guy who's never been known to be without words before just standing there and she'd ask a question he'd look at me like i i was laughing so hard i loved it loved it um the other misdemeanor of course we'd already talked about uh rusev uh kicking over that truss and charging whoever that was and then um, I've got a very serious misdemeanor charge against whoever it was in the pro wrestling business. Um, and I, I I watched the interview. It's from AEW Dark. Uh, they did their uh, undesirable to undeniable on Shanna. And she was talking about how she'd had multiple tryouts with WWE. 
and uh and thought she'd signed and then hadn't they wouldn't sign her for this reason or that reason or just never return her call and then later they'd bring her in for another tryout or whatever and and then she said uh and then someone from the other company so i don't know 100 if she was referring to wwe at that point or a different company like tna impact or ring of honor um but she said that someone from the other company uh told her that they couldn't sign her because the camera adds 10 pounds and she was already too big to be on tv and so i am issuing a serious charge and whoever uh told her that she was too fat to be on tv whoever that was deserves the book thrown at them and i'm talking about the heaviest book i can find and i'm gonna find randy johnson to throw it where was uh, this exactly you're going after that this I, was on I, live tv uh no it, it was she was talking about uh her story and eventually it went on to her saying she was about ready to quit wrestling entirely when uh she got the call from kenny omega that they wanted to sign her to aew but but she told this story about someone from one of the companies i don't know which one it was it could have been impact it could have been ring of honor it could have been wwe but had told her that she was too fat to be on tv because the camera adds 10 pounds and she was already too big oh, and anyone with eyes who has watched AEW, watched her show up on AEW, can tell you that a she is 100 not fat at all right um and she's also way too good to let size of any sort uh stop her i feel and like I, it was sandman because yeah, you know, sandman. sandman feels After about today. women's wrestling jesus oh man and the sad thing is i really liked sandman until i heard that, that you said that and i'm like oh are you kidding me man <laughs> surprised because sandman does seem kind of misogynistic too yeah i just hoped he was smart enough to keep i guess smart enough doesn't work work for Sandman no that's too many beers to the head yeah (laughs) Singapore cane yeah oh well you know but that's why you should never give up though no matter what anyone says sorry to be so cliche no matter what anyone says you should just do you and believe in yourself because at the end of the day no one else can tell you what you can or cannot do aside from you well, and it's just, it's it's one of the things uh, to give, you know, credit to AEW and, and specifically in this case, Kenny Omega, because he really is heading up the women's division there. Ton of credit for uh, giving someone a shot when none of the other places would give her a shot. And I mean, if you've watched her matches, she has been just a, a joy to watch wrestle. She is phenomenal. She could probably use a little bit better ring gear, but that's going to come with you know, more exposure and, and, and more time. Uh, but she's just so much fun to watch. Um, also, AEW apparently is really close to a deal with Chris Statlander, which also makes me very happy. Um, you know, a lot of people would have said that AEW's women's division was probably the weakest uh, part of AEW and, and probably one of the biggest things that put NXT above them. Uh, but they're really making some strides to make it a lot better now. So I guess when talking about uh, AEW's women's division. I do have to mention that uh, in the AEW Dark, they actually had a match between uh, Big Swole and Shayna. And I wanted to give them tons of credit because I hadn't seen a legitimate test of strength spot in a wrestling match in so long. 
you know, you always see them, they hold up their hand like they want to do the test of strength. But when the guy reaches up to try to do the test of strength, then they kick him in the Boom. face or whatever. Right. You know, and you just never see it. But I mean, that was a staple of wrestling when I was younger, where they do that. And then, and then they get the upper hand and the person would bend over all the way backwards. And then they'd fight back and they'd come up and they'd bridge up. And, and so it's just fun to actually see that. So I wanted to give them a little bit of credit for that, too. But what about you, D.A. Fabe? You got any misdemeanors? Um, you know, I, 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 for the most part, have expressed the ones I had. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give one misdemeanor out to Kevin Owens uh, for being the second best KO in the industry, number one. Number two, um, you know, I, I got to give him props. The guy just rolls with bad storylines. Um, and it's not his fault that he gets given bad ones, but man, he just seems to do them so well. Um, he really, he really gives so much to you know, and 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 they could they could let him give so much more. Obviously, the prime of that being, you know, what they did with the new day. It was what three weeks that he turned heel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was not that was underdone for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could have given Kofi two title reigns because of that. I mean. That, that's the other thing in that particular storyline. Um, you could have had KO win and then KO lose. Um, but man, he, I mean, he carried, he's literally carrying the bad Seth Rollins storyline right now. Uh, and it's, it's the only reason I want to see what happens is because of Kevin Owens. Um, so props, I guess, on a, on a misdemeanor to Kevin Owens. Um, way to carry the bad storylines, brother. Agreed. 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 What about you, Justin? You got any misdemeanors to talk about? Uh, you know what? Once again, it's not really necessarily wrestling. Well, it's wrestling related, but it's not about e- either one of the shows. It's more on a personal note. Um, I got to give a misdemeanor to Corey Graves. For- oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a crime. That's felony. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Yes and no, because I can... It's more of a misdemeanor, to be honest. Just because, like, he mentions he was playing a role, right? So he was playing a role as part of hyping the storylines between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. And so that's his side, right? But clearly, uh, Amoro didn't take it that way. He didn't show up. He didn't show up for Survivor Series. He didn't show up for NXT. Um, Corey Graves end, uh, ended up apologizing. Booker T even mentioned it on his podcast. And he Booker T just wanted him to get better and so on and so forth. But he mentioned that like how Booker said it too was kind of like, uh, in a way, people got to just stop being so sensitive. But he didn't say it in a bad way either i uh, i think a lot of it is um related directly to uh the stigma on mental health issues just in general i mean mara ranallo has a history of bipolar uh manic depressive moments right that go back to well before any of the events of wwe um, but events in wwe by uh allegedly by jbl i'll use allegedly uh because this is a pseudo-legal show, um, uh, you know, definitely play into it. And it just, if you've got someone who's had very public struggles with things like that, you do have to kind of understand that things that you intend to be a joke, um, to be in quote-unquote good fun, uh, do not always feel like good fun to them. Um, right. 
and well, can feel I, very, very real and very personal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use three words to put my stance on this, um, and it should be it. It ends the. I really think these three words end the conversation in regards to whether or not Corey Regrave should be significantly punished. And those three words are be a star. One of your charities that you own is an anti-bullying charity. Yeah. That should have been done under wraps. Well, and here, here's, I mean, really there's what an issue with the way, And I have the same issue that Corey Graves does. I don't like that moral dominates conversation all the time. That said, that should Don't call them out on it. Yeah, yeah, not well, not Don't that way. Not that way. And then well, respond to fans as well. You know what I mean? With yeah. just trying to dish more dirt on him. Like, no, like it, it did feel very personal too. There was some truth behind what he meant to himself about like it was some personal truth that he felt for sure, I feel. And then he just and then Gray just got all this backlash and he's like, Okay, let me step back before you know well i think the the wrestling uh phrase that comes into this is work yourself into a shoot um he he was doing a work he was playing the heel commentator and in his mind that's what a heel commentator would do in that situation yeah uh but he worked himself into a shoot he he played the heel so well that uh it was real to morrow and uh at that point it's not a game anymore and it's not a, it's not a work anymore and so which also um, means that morrow knows that he talks too much on those i'm guessing morrow was told to carry that that um staff because yes there's a wwe hall of famer who has less than six months worth of commentary history and yes there's a former roh champion who has a very thick accent and quite frankly isn't all that great at uh playing a heel commentator which is his role well um, and so and Mauro's let's take a step back and remember that Mauro Ronaldo is a very well-known and decorated UFC uh commentator you know yeah. MMA I don't know if, whether it's UFC or Bellator or whatever um but you know he was brought into WWE for his commentary skills um that's what he does. That's what he's good at. And so I could totally see them saying, hey, you're the lead commentator. We want you to take the lead and and talk as much. And and frankly, a lot of people really do love how he dominates. Now, I, I agree. Sometimes he gets a little bit too pop culture-y. And um, frankly, uh, a couple of months ago, he said Mama F and Mia for the first time, and it was great. <laughs> but now he says it at least twice every takeover. And yeah, that's his thing. That that's what he wants to go over. Yeah, and so you know you can step back on that. But but once again, kind of like DFA was saying, uh, if if there was any legitimacy to to Corey Graves' issues, they should have been uh, discussed behind closed doors and and in a in a professional manner, not on Twitter. Uh, you know that way. And so, um, but here here's hoping that they can work past it. That Morrow's uh, getting mentally in a better state because uh, I wish or they should have pre-approved the tweet yeah. like hey or you know what though maybe Moro shouldn't have 
social media though because at the end of the day too what are you going to do then is just then just have nothing said about him good or bad online in relation to the WWE because look I get it it's a troubled issue he has you know he has a lot of mental issues and so on and so forth but at the end of the day what he said wasn't you know that triggering for us i guess which can be very triggering for him but then what do you do like you're you're in you're the lead commentator for a top wrestling organization you're gonna get backlash no yeah, matter you know, where you see it hey and, yeah, and I, I think it's a colleague putting him on blast publicly that's like, what i was I, gonna kind of say yeah, I, I mean, here's the deal. We put each other on blast on this show. And the reason we do that is because that's what makes the show entertaining. Um, when we put somebody on blast, that, let's let's just say that, that uh, Ollie, who I put on blast tonight, comes back and puts me on blast and I have some, some issues. And then on top of it, a whole bunch of other um, uh, Twitter accounts and whatnot try to follow this. Um, and then they, they start putting me on blast. There's that certain amount of, of burden that, that develops that um, comes with cyberbullying. Um, yeah, speaking as, as a district attorney, yes, in my past, I actually had somebody over a political conversation that was very, very, um, it was volatile, but it wasn't horrible. Um, I, I think uh, Smarks, who actually knows me personally, um, and Justin, who is getting to know me personally, knows I'm kind of a conservative fella, and I'll, I'll open up and say that. That said, I got... I. I got blasted over a political conversation on Facebook once. Not a huge deal. Um, then they started blasting my kid. The trolls did. Big deal, you know. And Smarks, who also uh, is not conservative at all, um, would have told you that that was too far, you know. And 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 I was pissed. I mean, I was pissed about that. And I think that there's that part of that that when when somebody when somebody takes something too far you need to understand what you're doing that you're taking too far and he might not have thought he was taking it too far but when you're putting the co-worker on blast without it being part of the script because other everything else is scripted right but everything is scripted is the thing nowadays everything is essentially scripted but well, that wasn't look at it but it is though because you're old as wwe wrestlers you're always technically on right there's seth rollins playing into the people on twitter and just trying to troll them any way that he possibly can there's they're they're technically always on because they always have to play that role in that regard you know what i mean you don't see them yeah. all too often out I... of character anywhere that they are well, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of say here, as someone who battled depression years ago, uh, in, in some ways you never stop battling it, but my, my major uh, problems with it were in high school, um, so quite a few years ago. Um, and I never battled it as hard three, as... Three years, right? Yeah, yeah. Three. three. That's quite a few, okay. right? Yeah. Explain your yeah, count. Three, three years ago was 1996, right? <laughs> Isn't that right? No? Your math is fantastic. I love your math. Um, but, but so... If I was your math teacher, I'd give you an A++. Yeah, I got a lot of those. I mean, those are the ones that, that kind of... That, that have a line and then two lines coming out. You know, one at the top and one about halfway down. Yeah, they just forgot to put the, the one on the right. The line okay. on the right. That's okay. All. Yeah, you're good. Okay. That, that's the, I got a lot of those. Those okay. are okay. So... 
Uh, but no, um, here's the deal. It's, it's one thing when someone that's just kind of a faceless name on on a computer screen says something about you. Uh, and I'm sure Morrow can block those out fairly well because they're, they're a faceless name. They're someone you don't know and whatever. It's another thing when it's a colleague of yours, someone who you have respect for, uh, who says it in a way that you said... seen as the number two commentator in the company. Yeah, but says it in a way that you feel it's not... Like, even if you're aware of scripting and all of this stuff, if you feel like it's a personal attack, you can't control that necessarily. And that's why, like DA Fabe said, if they would have just had it been an approved tweet, where before it went out, it went to WWE corporate, they read it, they called up Morrow, said, hey, Corey Graves is about to send out this tweet, he's playing a, a heel commentator, you know, and all of this stuff, he's not actually attacking you. It would have been one thing, and I think it would have been fine, but the fact that it kind of blindsided him and his defenses got riled up, um, is what caused a lot of the problem, I think. And as someone, like I said, as someone who, who battled depression, uh, it is really hard uh, to separate reality from fiction when you're battling depression. Um, and and this is someone, like I said, I, I battled it a lot in high school. Uh, I was also a theater person, so I was not part of the popular crowd. And and I, uh, I had a lot of a lot of trouble with it when people that I saw every day at school and and you know thought were were maybe friends of mine or or at the very least colleagues in in plays and stuff together, and then heard them even even constructive criticism to a depressed brain can come off as an attack if they're Especially not Especially when it's public. Mm-hmm. And Especially. I think that plays into it a lot there. Um, you know, but as a DA now, um, now I'm talking real life, but I'm going to use my kayfabe role. As a DA now, uh, one of my one of my primary concerns when I talk to other prosecutors is to make sure I pull them aside and do that independently because I've seen other DAs do this in public. Um, in other words, in, in my real life job, I'm in management. I have employees and I've seen managers who would berate people in public. Um, amongst those, Officer Smarks and myself um, when we work together. Um, that said, that I think is, is probably the bigger part of the equation. Again, if it's an approved thing beforehand, hey, can I use you? to build a, a feud between us that would be really cool for talking and stuff at Survivor Series and we could do this and, that, and it would just roll well and and have that real conversation beforehand and if he's not okay with it then you don't do it and if he is okay with it then it becomes a kayfabe storyline even if it's true which it is again I'm not saying that Morrow <laughs> doesn't dominate conversation I'm saying that even if it is true, this allows it to be something um, that that plays. It could have been awesome, but it wasn't because I'm just going to shoot from the hip. And, you know, if, if they only occasionally let Jericho shoot from the hip, they should never let Corey Graves shoot from the hip. But um, to stop this from devolving into a four hour long conversation about mental health issues uh, <laughs> and keep it more on track with uh, wrestling crimes, air quotes. Um, I, I think we will move on to um, our brand new segment starting this week. Uh, kind of came up with it over this week and thought, you know, it really deserves to be here. 
Commendations. You can basically think of this as uh, nominations for MVP. Um, but but I didn't want to call it MVP because I think each of us can be uh, able to nominate someone for this for whatever reason. This is really more about getting out, you know, maybe performers that uh, really went above and beyond uh, for the week. And, and I have a feeling that uh, my nominee... Uh, will get pretty unanimous support from at least uh, one of the two, uh, two other people on this uh, podcast. My uh, uh, commendation goes to Rhea Ripley. Um, she was basically, in my mind, the MVP of the whole Survivor Series Takeover weekend, uh, hands down. Both uh, shows, she showed up and she showed up strong. And you came away from it talking about her, and that is just phenomenal. And she did such a great job. Yeah, um, a name that fits with it with NXT or with all of WWE for that rough two to three week period that that is as strong as hers, Adam Cole. So yeah, I get what you're saying. And and in the performances on the two pay per views, she definitely outshined. Yeah, I would agree. I I mean I think. I think, uh, I, I didn't see, uh, I don't think ratings have come out yet for NXT this week, uh, yet because of the holiday and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I bet when they come out, uh, NXT does see a little bit of a bump in, in viewers, um, or at the very least, not as much of a loss as, as sometimes would be expected. Um, and I think a lot of it probably has to do with people who maybe didn't normally watch NXT, um, and who caught her on TakeOver uh, or Survivor Series specifically and said, you know what, I want to see her again and tuned into NXT to see her again. I mean, she was just an absolute star on Survivor Series and I could totally see that leading to a lot of people starting to give NXT a shot, uh, which is good. And uh, so she gets my commendation uh, for uh, the last two weeks. And uh, we'll throw it over to you guys. Do either of you have a commendation to talk about? Go for it, LeBlanc. And you know what? It's going to be a weird one. But just the fact that he went from nothing to something and then hearing Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Kayfabe talk about it prior, Kevin Owens. Yeah, I, I Kevin can't Owens. that one either. <laughs> you know, like, and, and honestly, I wouldn't have maybe thought of Kevin Owens until you had brought up uh, about him saving the whole Seth Rollins situation, but also him saving that matchup for being that extra player for NXT on the War Games. You know what I mean? That was phenomenal. Um, him being in the matchup and Survivor Series was decent. It added a little bit more flavor between, you know, what's going on? Is he NXT? Is he Raw? It made me more interested in the men's uh, Survivor Series match. And then also him saving Seth Rollins from a just a crappy storyline. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's kudos. Like, and it just goes to show you guys, you don't need to be in that main event spotlight to be a top-tier athlete because he's doing all this just to make other people look he's not a jobber you can't say he's a jobber but he's doing all this to just 
up the ante to make it more special than what it would have been without him there because he's really adding to it although it might not seem that way the only reason why you care for this storyline is because of ko Mm-hmm. In, in many ways, uh, KO was the Doc Holiday to Seth Rollins' Wyatt Earp. You know, not the main character, not the whole point of the storyline, but uh, uh, do you know anyone who quotes uh, Wyatt Earp line from Tombstone? No, but Kevin Owens is definitely your Huckleberry. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so, no, I totally agree. Uh, KO definitely... Uh, deserves a commendation. So, so two for two here. Uh, who do you got, DA? You know, uh, mine is mine is a returning superstar. Um, you know, she she uh, brings uh, some relevance back to uh, the women's title pictures. In um, it, she made a fire and desire match enjoyable to watch. We'll just put it there. Uh, Lexi Kaufman, uh, my favorite person to watch on Twitter. You just you post all the time and it's fantastic. Fantastic. Welcome back, Alexa Bliss. Um, love to see you back. Um, I don't know necessarily that I'm gonna say you're an MVP over those other two, but um, awesome to have you back, Alexa Bliss. And uh, please be healed soon. <laughs> How long has she been gone? Um, well, it's kind of, it was nebulous because they still had her appear for at least a few weeks after she had injured her shoulder. Um, well, but... and, and she was only back for a couple weeks, too, after the concussion protocol was over. So, um, yeah, welcome back. That's all I can say um, as, as an MVP, especially, you know, because that was SmackDown. I mean, what a weak show that is right now. I mean, Raw's full of full of crappy storylines, but SmackDown is full of, uh, huh? <laughs> you know, like we Randomness. we said it ourselves. In terms of in terms of Raw was a crap show for two weeks, and so yeah, thanks for WWE for putting on better shows, except for you know even when we talked about SmackDown, it, it just nothing overwhelms me there. Well, and uh, and the thing I will give for Alexa. The thing I will always bring up for Alexa Bliss is keeping in mind, um, and and I'm an Alexa Bliss fan. Da Fabe yep. knows that. I am. I, she might be my favorite uh, current female WWE superstar. Um, and and so I I love the Five Feet of Fury. But I'll point out, you know, she she was nothing in NXT effectively. Like mm. she got called up to the main roster, and most people didn't even know who she was. Um, and uh, so, in my opinion, her commendation really comes down to potentially being the diamond in the rough from NXT, uh, that no one really knew what they had with her. Um, I mean, they tried to have her face for a while uh, as the Sparkle Princess, and that didn't work. And then they had her as kind of a heel manager for uh, uh, Blake and Murphy, and that worked better. But, like, she never got a shot at the NXT uh, Women's Championship. Because she just wasn't known as that, and she gets pulled up to SmackDown, and and very very quickly uh, establishes herself as probably the best female heel in mm. WWE. Yeah, better better than Charlotte by leaps. Um, you know, we we have yet to see. I I think we have yet to see how good Sasha can be as a heel. Um, she's pretty good, but mm-hmm. I would say in terms of heels, 
I would actually put Alexa Bliss as number four um, overall behind MJF. Um, existing heels right now. Sorry, I need to make sure I'm clear about that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Miz is in there, and of course, Ric Flair's in there, and everything like that. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I guess I would put her. Well, I'd put her number four, um, and number two amongst women uh, with a very close battle with Shayna Baszler uh, for that three spot. Um, I, I really don't think M- beyond MJF and Baron Corbin is just so damn hateable. God, he's wonderfully hateable. He's good. not that he's good at what he does. He's just so easily hateable. No, uh, that's why. He's good at what he does, though. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, with MJF's Alexa Bliss, with Alexa Bliss, her, her wrestling skill was probably her weakest attribute, and it is improved. She might be the most single most improved wrestler in ring wrestling I over still the last... Thought- was gonna break when she was given those lariats. They're so small. Good bumps, girls. (laughs) Well, and she's she's uh, learned to take advantage of certain things. Uh, Like she's double jointed in her elbows, so uh, she does this spot occasionally where she pretends like her elbow is broken and she pops it the wrong way, and it just looks so nasty up there. And it's just phenomenal. And so, no, I agree with you. I, I think uh, she deserves a commendation. She uh, definitely is, if anything, the most improved uh, women's wrestler in WWE over the last three or four or five years. And, and give her two months and she'll be the best female heel. Uh, right now, it's just Shayna because Shayna's had the title forever. Well, um, they, they appear to be at least attempting a face, with, a face run with her. Um, we've never really had a chance to see Alexa Bliss face you know she had she had the very short run as the sparkle princess in NXT uh but that really was more just throwing pasta she can't be face though she's too good of a heel that she can't be face it's just yeah I I don't know with just this I mean we see what Miz is as a a face and it's just garbage put him back as a heel you know I, I for the most part I agree I I'm choosing to give some time to take a step back and let let her uh, do what she can do. Um, here, here's what it comes down to. In my opinion, most of the best, most of the best heels in the history of wrestling uh, were that way because they also at least had decent face runs so that their heel turns were more impactful. And the perfect example of that is Ric Flair. Ric Flair, one of the best heels in the history of wrestling. But part of what made him such a great heel was when he would turn face, you would buy into him as face at least long enough for him to turn heel and blow your mind. And Sting was the uh, recipient of that more often than not. Um, So is that that why MJF is such a good heel? Because we actually believed he wasn't going to turn on Cody? In many ways, yeah. I mean, like, I never never for a moment thought he wasn't going to turn on Cody. But but every time they teased him turning and then he didn't turn, made me think, well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. No, he's definitely going to turn at some point. But maybe they're not. And so, yeah, that, that whole make you think maybe, maybe they've turned. Now, I think that's part of the problem with The Miz right now is they turned him too much white meat baby face where he's rah, rah, rah and all this. And they, they didn't keep that little edge of maybe on oh. him. 
I mean, his best face run was when my hand hand goes up, your mouths go shut. Fans loved him and and followed him and liked him. And um, right before before he had his match with uh, with Roman for the world or for the Intercontinental Title, when he took the the buckle off and Roman speared the buckle, um, and that was earlier this year, or was that eighteen? It was January of either eighteen or nineteen that he did that. Um, that uh, that was his best face run was a little bit edgy this face run just feels like it's yeah it's so he can be a missed tv I so mean, that's really what it feels like so my, my prediction with alexa bliss probably is simply this they're gonna have her be faced for a while uh, have her continue to run with nikki cross for a while uh maybe have them uh go after the women's tags uh win them potentially and then uh, lose him because of something Nikki Cross does, and then there will be the heel turn, the sudden turn on her best friend uh, that'll allow her to be heel again. But isn't and, she technically heel still? You know, the the reaction and, and uh, the way they played it off when she came back this week, they're definitely doing a face turn. I mean, if you just go, go to YouTube, the WWE channel on YouTube, um, and they posted a, a backstage interview, uh, and I, I'm using air quotes on interview because it really wasn't an interview. It was just uh, uh, Kayla Braxton, I think, uh, or maybe it was Charlie Caruso. I can't remember who it was. One of the backstage women uh, mm-hmm. coming up to Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss to say, you know, hey, Alexa Bliss made her return, and uh, how do you feel about it, Nikki? And Nikki is just... Um, the best term for it is nuzzling uh alexa and just absolutely giddy that her best friend is back and and all this stuff and alexa's just smiling and hugging nikki and saying it's just so good to be back it is total baby face there there wasn't that edge of of sneer that she used to have all the time so they're definitely at least gonna try or teasing trying uh face uh alexa but you know, like I say, I'm going to give it a little bit of time because because if she can pull off uh, even just a couple months of likable face Alexa, it'll make her heel That's turn what I'm on saying. Nikki. So I amazing. don't think it's going to be a couple of months because as I'm watching this interview, I literally went. I could still see kind of little, little thing, little, uh, little annoyed looks that Alexa Bliss is kind of giving, but she's smiling. It's almost like she's helping out her special friend, if you will. And, like... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, like, I feel like it's gonna be... Like, give it a month, not even, man. Like, she just looks so weird as being, like, this face kind of thing. She just has a... I hate the, you, face. Yeah. The I other side of it, happens, and the, that turn happens at Royal Rumble, just so you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes and, and that gives us a couple months. Not yeah. not a month. four months, three months, two months. You know, we are December. But but, uh, but in the end, it it's still I I'm gonna let it happen. Um, and the the other reason I think they're teasing, at least teasing a face from from her, is look at the SmackDown Women's Division and realize. They are dreadfully low on quality faces right now. Yes, they are. Um, yeah, because they had to murder the the Bailey buddies. Yeah, heal, which which still is not working out. I mean, Bailey's not a good heel. I hate saying it, but she's just she's not. No. <laughs> it's very true. 
What what they need to do is they need to bring Kylie Ray in and and have her be the Bailey uh, for a while, and then Bailey get really really jealous and murder Kylie Ray. And it's not that I want to see Kylie Ray murdered, um, because I really <laughs> like Kylie Ray, but that'd be the way that we would hate Bailey. Kylie Ray's the legit hugger. She's so much better at Bailey's job than Bailey is. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I love Kylie so, Ray. Um, I do want to say one last thing. It's telling that Alexa is the one I gave an MVP to for returning over over a two-time, I'm sorry, three-time WWE champion or world heavyweight or whatever titles he's held uh, in Sheamus. Mm-hmm. That's how good she really can be. Sheamus, welcome back to you too, buddy. You're not Damn. an MVP for returning. Oh, no. Jesus. Well, and he returned via a backstage promo, and that's it. Yeah. Um, deal. Is he the bar? Is he going to be Sheamus a champion, uh, a championship contender? Because I would love a Sheamus versus The Fiend match. Well, I, I think he's turning heel, so... Yeah. I mean, he definitely has the old Sheamus haircut, not the mohawk anymore. Um, so I think that plays into it. But yeah, I mean, frankly... His return would have been better off saved for a Royal Rumble return where he suddenly shows up and makes a difference or whatever. Um, or at the very least, uh, a return in a match where he uh, destroyed someone, you know, um, surprise, like a la, you know, Matt and Jeff Hardy showing up at uh, uh, WrestleMania, you know, something like yeah. that where where it's unexpected and instead of a backstage promo, it's just suddenly, hey, there's Sheamus, he comes out and kicks him ass. Um, uh, I, I I chose not to talk too much about it earlier, but but I you know just us talking about return did make me think a little bit about uh, one of the snafus that happened for AEW this week. Uh, but that was the debuts of the Blade and the Butcher, uh, which oh. fell totally flat on their face um, due to I think I think the more I've thought about it, it's it really was poor announcing to it that really uh, played in. I mean, it really, Excalibur treated them like they were just normal everyday names, and Jr. treated them like who the hell are these guys? And most of the fans were going who the who the hell are these guys? And yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. Um, I think you were right when we had a private conversation. A couple of vignettes would have been a good idea here. Yeah, vignettes, or at the very least, like like I was kind of saying, you know, you have Excalibur, like, say, who are these people? And JR, like, I don't know. I've never seen them. And then they beat up on Cody. And then you give one of them a mic, or you give Allie a mic, you know, and you, you let them. Or- in the ring pops out then he realizes who they are oh that's the blade and the the whatever the other one which are who by the way well that's the deal is i mean we still officially according to aw don't know who they are because that after ali popped up they went to commercial break and they never really talked about them later on they didn't show a vignette later or anything and that's why i think a promo would have been uh, where Allie gets pulled up and then one of them grabs a mic and says, you know, I'm the butcher, this is the blade, we come to protect Allie from whatever. Um, rectify the past or whatever. So, but I mean, uh, just legitimately, who are those wrestlers? Uh, the blade is Allie's husband. Yeah, the blade is married to Allie. That's the most I know about her. And the butcher is actually 
Um, uh, you know, I mean, they've wrestled as a tag team in the indies, apparently. Uh, but he is also the lead guitarist for a band, uh, and I can't remember what uh, band at the moment. So well, I could I could sense you googling there. So. Yes, you could probably hear me go. God, this has really been an interactive couple of weeks. Then I forgot that you're right. Welcome to Blade and Butcher, maybe. I love his eyeglass. Yeah, and that's the other. I mean, they've got an interesting look. Um, although uh, the mask that the blade was wearing when he came up um, was a little confusing because at first I thought, uh, is that one of the people from the Dark Order? Right. And then I was like, oh no, that's not one of the Dark Order. And then I was like, yo, know, that mask kind of looks like uh, a Marty Skrull mask. Not quite the same sort of mask, but I was like, is this going to be, you know, like a precursor to Villain Enterprises coming? Because we do know Marty Skrull's official uh, Ring of Honor contract is apparently up. He's supposedly going to stay around for their next pay-per-view, which is in a couple weeks. But after that, he is going someplace. And I know WWE is probably trying to get him. Uh, but I also know that he's very likely going to AEW because all of his best friends are in AEW. Um, Marty Squirrel needs a, a monocule. Monocule? Monocle, yeah. So uh, the <laughs> the blade is Braxton Sutter is his name. And like I said, he is Allie's uh, real-life husband. Mm. And then Andy Williams is the name of the guy who's the butcher. He is the lead singer of the band Every Time I Die and Sutter. Um, he did uh, formerly wrestle for Impact Wrestling, so. Oh, um, okay. But uh, but anyways, but that's my point. You know, they, they kind of came out and fell flat on their face, but I think it was mostly due to mishandling on, on the announcing side and then just not giving them a mic to explain what the heck they are. Because like you said, the entire audience was just kind of silent where they're like, I don't know who these people are. Why do we care? Well, I mean, how many how many weeks did we get um, Paul uh, Paul Bear coming out and saying, "Oh yes, Undertaker, I've got an answer for you," you know, and then and then all of a sudden uh, it's it's mankind, and then several months later he's got another answer for him, or I guess it was. It was Mankind who came out and did his own promos against The Undertaker. And then Paul Bearer comes out and does promos for Kane coming. By uh, God, it's Kane! It's Kane! It's gotta be Kane! <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, at least there were those things. And and don't get me wrong, I mean, I love myself some, some pop and introduction, but remember Y2J when he came over, it was still 1999. It wasn't 2000 yet. And... We saw the countdown, but that was all we ever saw. And then all of a sudden, it was break the walls down, and still nobody knew. And still nobody knew. And still nobody knew until the lights came on and his back was turned with his arms out, the rock standing in the ring, and boom, there he is. You know. Well, so. and the important thing there was you can do this surprise uh, thing when it's somebody that people know. When it's a Rock or a John Moxley or a, a Chris Jericho or someone like that, but when you're talking about an independent wrestler tag team um, that the vast majority of people probably don't know, you can't do the surprise uh, debut 
because it 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 makes no sense like like said the the crowd's not gonna pop for people they don't know uh and and inversely they did it a lot better with wardlow because they did a couple of those vignettes um and then when he showed up as as the muscle for mjf people popped because they're like oh my god it's wardlow finally Right. So that's the, that's the the power of those vignettes. Um, vignettes also, I mean, we're seeing the power of them with the Join the Dark Order vignette. Because until this last week, the Dark Order was flat, in my opinion. Yep. No one cared, right? Yep. And then they put out this vignette this the, with the fat guy getting kind of bullied, you know, as he's walking along. And then he stumbles across this advertisements for joining the dark order and all this stuff and now in many ways the dark order might be the hottest topic in aew right now um maybe arguably Um, you know because (laughs) because there's at least some storyline behind it now if they would have done that before they showed up i think it would have made a little bit more sense but they've at least well at least they're doing something you know, they're trying um, to rest. So. But you're right. I just, was just listening to the commentating uh, during that whole thing. And JR just seems completely lost. Like JR, I guess, was not told that these guys were coming out because Excalibur was all like, yeah, oh my God, it's the butcher. It's the blade and the butcher. But even Excalibur didn't even sound confident in who he was saying. Because well, then JR was like, what? What? Who? I, I think he was just saying names, uh, you know, because he, he like it. Maybe if he would have said, oh, my God, it's the Blade, the former blah, 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 tag champion, you know, MLW or whatever. I don't care. Um, Oh, it's the Butcher, his partner. We would have at least known something about him. But he just threw out some names. The Blade! The Blade! And then JR, like you said, didn't know. Now, in in reality, that's not surprising to me. Uh, JR has very publicly stated that uh, one of his... Uh, tenants to commentating is he much prefers to not know what's ha- going to be happening uh, so that his reactions are real. He doesn't like to be fed a script. And uh, uh, as part of his biggest problems when he was working with Vince is that, you know, Vince always wanted him to know in advance what was going to happen and then feed him lines over the, over the earpiece. And he much prefers to have his reactions be legitimate and real, so. With the exception being the uh, Brock breaking the streak. Vince did let did not let anybody accept the only there were three people and maybe two, maybe Heyman didn't know, but I think there were three people who knew or four who knew that uh, Brock was was breaking the streak. Um, Taker Taker Brock. Well, at this rate, not even Vince Taker. Taker did blame that concussion. <laughs> Taker, Brock, Vince, and um, I think Heyman knew, but I think that was it. But anyway, I think we could talk forever about things that AEW has done right and wrong and all that stuff. Uh, but I, I think we could probably, because I think we're uh, getting a little close to two total hours of recording time right now, so... Uh, we will probably move on uh, to ending this episode. But I did want to just, uh, you know, point out, I think we had some uh, three really great commendations. Uh, Rhea Ripley definitely deserved it. Kevin Owens definitely earned it. And Alexa Bliss, uh, it's kind of one of those things you don't know how much you miss seeing her on your TV until she shows up and you're like, oh my God, she's... Because she's legitimately a star. You uh, don't know what you got till it's gone. And, and so, um, but on that note, we will probably uh, try to draw this to a close.
as always, I uh, invite everyone out there, if you enjoy what we're doing, or even just tolerate what we're doing, uh, please give us a like, uh, share, subscribe, uh, uh, share us on Twitter so everyone you know knows about us, or on Facebook, or on MySpace, or uh, Friendster, or um, LiveJournal. Uh, <laughs> LiveJournal, yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that Tumblr for why not Tumblr sixdegrees.com these are all going to date me there's going to be some other old people out there that are going to be like I don't even know that one MySpace yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, find us on uh, pretty much any podcast platform that you use. Um, share us there. Uh, even if you don't use iTunes, hop on iTunes and leave us a five star review. Just like it was Meltzer rating uh, New Japan Pro Kenny Omega Kazuchika Kata match. Um, give give us six stars if it'll let you, or seven and a half. I don't know. Will iTunes let you go to 12 stars? Anyways. Um, <laughs> but uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Raw and Order WBU. You can find DA Fabe at DA Vincent K Fabe. Awesome. And you can find Justin at JLB420. And for the podcast, it's Real Talk Radio 8. Yes. The eighth Real Talk Radio. That's right. Just uh, like the eighth also, wonder of the world. Exactly. You can also find more information about Real Talk Radio at realtalkradio.ca, correct? Yes, sir. Marks. Exactly. Um, and then um, you can always, uh, I always talk about this, but go to anchor.fm slash rawandorderwbu. That's our uh, podcast host. Um, you can go on there and you can leave us a voice message so that we can feature you talking about something that you think is a wrestling crime uh, on there. You can also click the little support button and send us a little bit of money so that we can uh, make this podcast better uh, for everyone there. Um, and then you can always tweet at us your wrestling crimes or your fantasy booking uh, because we're, we'll be recording a new fantasy booking uh, in just a few days, and it would be great to have uh, some other people putting in their uh, challenges as well. Uh, but on that note, I think we will close the book on the cases today. Case closed.